evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2017. Welcome to March. We made it. We've got a great show for you this evening. Our special guest is Dr. Dawn Michael, and we're going to talk about her, her practice in sex therapy and her book with a provocative title, My Husband Won't Have Sex With Me. So... Dr. Michael's going to call us, and we're going to put her on the air, and we're going to discuss all things SEX this evening. But let's start off and see what's going on out there in the world, in the guys' guys' world. Well, as I said, it's March, and uh, today in New York City, it hit 70 degrees. So crazy. We had 60s a couple of days this past week, and now they say tomorrow, excuse me, Friday, it might snow. So we're getting these extreme variations in weather and i just saw a thing uh, online a picture of a penguin on a big chunk of a uh, chunk of snow saying that antarctica had the uh, highest temperature on record there today 63 degrees in antarctica so climate change sounds like there may be some truth to it reason why well they say fossil fuels and meat production and things like that but how will we know if the Environmental Protection Agency gets eliminated. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, this week, what's been happening? Well, the big story from Sunday night, which seems like ancient history now, was Donald Trump's, uh, no, not Donald Trump, <laughs> the Oscars. <laughs> I was thinking of last night with Donald Trump, but the Oscars last night, uh, on Sunday night, rather, we had that major snafu when at the end of the broadcast, uh, we had Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway out there, and Warren Beatty opened the envelope for Best Picture, and he looked at it, and he had a pregnant pause, and then handed over the card to Faye Dunaway, and she said, La La Land. And then we all know that a few moments later, after the La La Land team got up on stage and three people gave acceptance speeches, then there was some activity behind them and we realized and were informed that in fact the wrong card was handed out and it was really moonlight as the winner. I guess my question is the two people uh, from Price Waterhouse whose sole job was to make sure the right envelopes get to the right people. Well, one of the guys was uh, had just been tweeting a photo of him with Emma Stone and apparently this gentleman handed the wrong envelope uh, to Warren Beatty. Uh, apparently, each is two people, two sides of the stage. They all have uh, copies of the envelopes. So he had an extra one because uh, for the previous award, uh, the young lady on the other side of the stage had handed that card to the uh, presenters. So anyhow, he handed the wrong card to Warren Beatty. And he and this uh, young lady, they're no longer going to be part of the broadcast but I think it could have been easily avoided. You know, you've got a guy who's done production in movies and directing in movies and acting in movies. If Warren Beatty would have simply said, when he read the card and it said, Emma Stone, best actress, La La Land, instead of throwing Faye Dunaway under the bus and handing her the card so she could read it, he could have said, excuse me, this, says, this card says Emma Stone, best actress, La La Land. Is this the correct card? And everything could have been rectified right then and there. But that's not what happened. And uh, as Jimmy Kimmel said, blame it on Steve Harvey. But who had this snafu with the, uh, I don't know if it was the Miss America or Miss Universe. I think it was a Miss Universe contest. So anyhow, we had that. And then last night we had our President Trump's presidential speech. And uh, a lot of his base was very pleased with that because he sounded presidential. And I guess the issue is if you go into the content and the promises and some of the facts, well, there was not a lot to back up a lot of the things he said, although his tone was tempered versus what we are usually subjected to as Americans. So the stress level continues at 10 or 10 plus for most Americans who are not with Donald Trump as president. And uh, the whole question about the Russians and then what he's doing with his cabinet and 
I really felt bad for the uh, woman who was up there who's lost her husband, the Navy SEAL. Uh, apparently that mission was uh, too much information and it was kind of botched and uh, the poor guy, Navy SEAL, uh, lost his life. And here was his wife, to me, being kind of used as a prop out there. And uh, she got a ton of applause. But, you know, when she goes home, she's going to realize that her husband's gone forever. And uh, could it have been avoided? And it was interesting that the president uh, had said that, uh, you know, it was a, a mission that had been developed before his time and the generals, you know, took care of it and it was kind of on them. So the whole thing was a little bit sad. Um, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be an education. You've got to do the math when you're dealing with President Trump. You've got to do the math. You've got to look into issues. You can't take things at face value. And then you have to make your decisions and determinations based on that. Uh, what else is happening? Well, we're going to talk about sex this week. As I mentioned, we've got Dr. Dawn Michael, and we're going to bring her on in a few moments. I know she just called in, but uh, very quickly, I want to get into like why we're here and then do a quick guys, guys, guide, and then we'll bring out our special guest. Well, as you know, the whole guys, guys movement began with the release of my novel a few years ago, The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, uh, which is about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. Uh, it's received wonderful reviews. I just got signed up to do a book club in New Jersey, which I'm looking forward to uh, this late spring. And uh, because it's in the tri-state area, I will show up at the club and uh, with uh, signed everybody's book. And I have some T-shirts and bookmarks and stuff like that. So, hey, if you're interested in uh, if you're in the tri-state area and you want to do a book club, let me know. Hit me up on Facebook. You can find me. Uh, my blog is on Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I dot com. In fact, there's a new post coming up tomorrow, uh, which I alluded to last week, but it took me a while to uh, finish up, which is about uh, the challenges of letting go. I mean, so many times there's so many areas in life where we just cling and hang on to things too long. And uh, at a certain point, it can start to work against us. So that's coming out tomorrow. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Robert Manny Author, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny Author, and all podcasts of uh, Guys Guys Radio are available on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, where I would ask you, if you want to support the show, to subscribe, to rate, and review Guys Guys Radio on iTunes. That would be a huge help. Um, we're also on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. I do this little thing called a uh, weekly segment called guys, guys guide every week. And I take on a topic. Usually it's uh, the focus of uh, my blog. And I was going to do something about manning up to break up, but I think I'm going to push that because I just feel like talking about what I just finished writing about. And I did touch on it last week, but I want to get into with a few more specifics that I had fleshed out. And that is the guys, guys guide to letting go. Um, it's going to be published tomorrow or Friday on my website. I also do some memes on Facebook and uh, Twitter, by the way, um, which are getting really great playback. But anyhow, this week's Guys, Guys, Guide is about letting go. And there's certain areas in life where, you know, we need to learn how to let go. I, as I mentioned last week, I had an epiphany when I sold my, uh, I had a vehicle, a sports utility vehicle for about 17 years. And it didn't have a lot of mileage on it. Uh, but it was parked near the ocean down the Jersey Shore. And uh, uh, over time, things start to rust out and I had to do a lot of repairs. And I knew, and I have a wife and a young son, a toddler, he's like three. And it's like, I've got to get rid of this car and get something else. And I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And then things kept falling apart. The exhaust system, the tires, the fuel line, the gas tank. I got stuck a couple of times. I ended up getting towed for three different things in 2016. That's too much. Well, I finally found a buyer. And when the guy showed up to take the car, there was something dripping underneath the car. And that was the same day where I had a flat tire and then I fixed the flat and then the battery was dead. And then I got the battery jumped and I had to check engine light on. And fortunately, when the battery drained, the check engine light went away. So I managed to get rid of the car. The buyer gave me a very nice guy, gave me a stack of 20s. It was like strip club, he strip club heaven, a big fat wad of 20s. Anyhow, we uh, 
we did the transaction, everything worked out fine. And as my vehicle drove off, he drove off in the vehicle and I had a few words with the vehicle before it left. I told it, you know, subconsciously, I thanked it and I apologized for not probably taking as good care of it as I could have. But I realized that I, one of the lessons I had to learn, and these things keep coming back to us when we don't learn our lesson in life was that I need to learn how to let go of things. And then I started reviewing other situations, jobs I've stayed in for too long, relationships I've stayed in for too long, and even trying to force dreams and aspirations, not letting them go and letting the universe and oneness and God take it and run with it. Just being too controlling on these stuff. And uh, also just not walking away when it was time to walk away or not making a change where it's time to make a change. And finally, after all these years, the light bulb went off above my head. And I said, when I saw that vehicle being driven away, I was like, thank you. I got it now. I hold on to stuff for too long. I'm going to be super mindful of that from now on. And, and I think it's a lesson that we all need to learn because how many jobs have you been in where you're stuck in the job and you can't get out of it and you want to get out of it? I know sometimes you can't just disappear and you just can't leave, but you stay too long or a relationship. You think it's going to get better. You're too lazy to get another relationship or you don't want to be alone. You stay too long. And in my case, it was with a vehicle. It could be a home too. You stay in an apartment, you stay in a house, you stay in a condo, whatever. You stay too long. So it's something to learn. It's something to be mindful about. So that's our Guys, Guys, Guide of the Week. It's about learning how to let go. If you want to read more about it, it will be published tomorrow or Friday at the latest on my website, robertmanny.com. So let's get to it. My special guest, Dr. Dawn Michael. Let's talk about her a little bit. She's from Southern California. Uh, she has been featured on TV, radio, interviewed in high-profile magazines. She's been your tango, cafe mom, eHarmony, simple say. When she's not counseling couples, one can find her indulging in her favorite activities, gardening, sailing, cooking, and the company of her loving husband and two ch children. Um, she will tell us a little bit about her background and motivation for what she's been doing and helping people spice up their sex lives for the past 19 years. Again, the name of her book is a very provocative, my husband won't have sex with me. Let's bring on Dr. Dawn Michael. Good evening, Dr. Michael. How are you? Good evening, Robert. Thank you for having me on your show. And well, um, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's, my, it's our pleasure. Thank you. And uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about... Um, Tell us about, you know, what it's like, how, did, how did, were you inspired to become, uh, I guess, a sex therapist, and what's that like, particularly in such an interesting market as Southern California, and then how you were inspired to write this specific book about, and, and, and subject matter, which is, my husband won't have sex with me. So I'll give you the floor. I actually was listening to you before, and you were talking about letting go, and it mm -hmm. just hit me that the very last part of my book is the marriage has expired. Yep. And so that's something that I think will play into your blog when you do it. Uh, some people are in marriages that have gone on for a very, very long time, and um, they really don't know the signs on how to get out of a marriage that is failing. But that wasn't your question, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to that though. We'll get to that. I like that. Uh, tell us a little bit though about um, you know what's it like what it's like to be a, a, a sex sex counselor and particularly in such an interesting market as Southern California. Well, I started off a long time ago as a marriage therapist, so that was really what my I got my master's degree in. And I worked at that time with teenagers, and then I started developing a practice working with couples. And I worked with couples um, doing interior design for a very long time, uh, creating master bedrooms mm -hmm. for them and hearing about their sex lives, being in their homes, in their bedroom, yep. which is something that people don't often get a view of that. And mm -hmm. so they would open up to me and tell me about their sex lives. Wow. And so this uh, got me interested in, in writing articles. And um, being a communications major as well, I started writing articles about sex and about 
uh, sex and marriage particularly, and I got some uh, great comments, and that's kind of how I got started on being a clinical sexologist um, in that field, was from my writing. Let me, let me ask you something. Um, the, the book uh, is like why, you know, my husband won't have sex with me. I guess the most obvious question would be, um, for a lot of people, it's like my wife won't have sex with me. Um, so uh, why did you choose uh, this angle instead of the more obvious one? So that's a great question. I get asked that all the time. And and if you go throughout the book, there is little parts of, you know, each person not wanting to have sex or mismatched sex drive, and that can happen in any long-term relationship. But when I was writing my articles, and I've probably posted several hundred of them, I put one out on a platform called Squidoo. It's no longer Mm -hmm. around, but it was reasons my husband won't have sex with me. And I thought, okay, this is kind of an interesting topic. Well, six months later, I was getting 4,000 views a day, and I was getting millions of views a year, and I had over 2,000 comments. So I'm like, oh, my God, i got to write a book, a book about this. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's really how the book got started, was um, taking the comments and creating a book around the comments to help you know, people out with this, with this topic. Uh, okay. First of all, I neglected to tell our uh, listeners and uh, a lot of people, uh, because it's a podcast, they listen, whatever they want. They're not necessarily listening live, but if you want to call in with a question for Dr. Dawn, uh, 347-945-5, excuse me, 347-945-5834. Three four seven nine four five five eight three four. If you do want to call in with a question, but what do you? What is the uh, most common issues that you hear about when you're dealing with couples uh, when it comes to sex from the male side and from the female side? Um, I hit upon it: mismatched sex drive. I think that's a real common problem, and that can happen throughout a marriage. And what that is is when one person wants sex more than the other person. And this could be the husband wanting sex more. This could be the wife wanting sex more. It could be no one wanting sex at all. And so we see this in many long-term relationships, this idea of how to, um, you know, decide or how to get your desire matching your partner's desire. Mm-hmm. It seems like, um, and I know I'm just generalizing, but the guys I know, like I've, I haven't been married that long, about it's going to be seven years now. Um, I got married later in life, and um, the guys I know who've been married for a long time, I know some of them have they've divorced or cheated or whatever, and I think some of them have uh, compartmentalized sex. They just want to get laid, basically, excuse my language. And that's it. And they forget about it. They just want to get off. And uh, it seems that the women I've spoken to, uh, their um, motivations seem to be more emotionally based uh, versus sexually based. The reasons for an affair or whatever seem to be uh, lack of attention, lack of paying attention. It's not about the sex per se, though it could lead to sex. It's more about uh, some type of emotional connection or outlet that way. Am I completely off base or in the right area? I don't think you're off base. I think it it goes a lot deeper than that, though. Because Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of men, and I work with men from all over the world, and as men get older and they're in long-term relationships, they want the intimacy, too. Because if you think about it, if, if a person just wants to have an orgasm, they can masturbate. Anyone can masturbate and have an orgasm. But when somebody desires you um, and wants you, that's really what makes the sex great. That's really what makes it connected. And I, I, I give men a lot more credit than that because I do think that they want the same connection that women want. Men and women just go about it differently. They just don't know how to approach each other in the right way. Let me throw something at you. So I, I agree with that. But with that in mind, a guy could want the emotional connection with his wife. And, you know, he, they've got kids together and all of that. Yet he just wants to, uh, you know, maybe they're not aligned sexually over time. And so 
he just wants to have sex with somebody else for a variety for the sake of for the sake of variety whatever have you heard much of that I think that that is not about sex or having sex. I think that's more about being wanted and being desired. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that men that go outside the marriage, they go outside the marriage because they're not being fulfilled, not just sexually, because, again, you can masturbate. They're not being not, fulfilled. I, I just have to say, as a guy, you know, masturbating, you do get off, but it's not the same as being with a beautiful woman by any means. It's far less satisfying. But a beautiful woman, um, for one night, you're going to sacrifice a beautiful woman for one night. For what? I mean, what's the payoff if you're in a marriage and in a relationship? What's lacking in your marriage that would make you do that? Well, no, of of, of course. You don't want to jeopardize the marriage. But, you know, the... uh, just masturbating is going to, to me, I think that would just prolong the issue. That if there is some incompatibility sexually and the guy needs an outlet, that just jerking off or whatever is going to be, you know, a very short-term solution. It's going to be putting a Band-Aid on it. It's not, it's going to be, it's not going to be causal. It's going to be about the, you know, it's not, it's, it's going to be about a symptom. Right, but the Band-Aid could also be going out and cheating because that doesn't resolve mm-hmm. the issue either. I mean, then why be married if that's the case? I mean, the real issue is to work on the marriage. And, um, you know, once someone goes outside the marriage and cheats, then maybe the wife um, is not – he's having problem with his wife. So now he's gone out and cheated and now the focus is on him and about the cheating instead of what they really need to work on in the marriage. And it just makes the whole situation worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about some of the reasons why my husband won't have sex with me. Uh, what's the number one issue there? Well, there's a couple. And uh, so I have different chapters. But the first one is about pregnancy and childbirth. And that's a huge one for people that have kids sure. because it's it's life-altering. Before you have kids, you know, you have the freedom to have sex when you want to. You also don't have, you know, that little person who's knocking mm-hmm. on the door or interrupting right. you or the complete loss of sleep. <laughs> yep. So, you know, children really do play a huge factor in this and – a man may be wanting to be intimate with his wife after, you know, she has a child, and he may be turned down quite a few times, and he may just get to a point where he doesn't want to keep being rejected. So he'll stop asking. And this is one of the snowball effects that happens mm-hmm. with some cases. And what's the solution to that? Well, the solution to it is... See, men feel that if they are asking their their wives to have sex after she has a baby, you know, there's got to be a you know a certain amount of time. But mm-hmm. some men feel really guilty about it, like I'm taking time away from you know the child or whatever it is. The reality is he needs to say something to her because there's going to be some resentment building up, and it's something that is very important in the marriage, the intimacy. It was there before they got married. And so they have to get back to some type of agreement where they're working on the sex in their marriage because it's very important. That's the glue that holds them together. How about the issue of the, uh, what is it called, the oxytocin, whatever, between the mother and the child where there is such a relationship there that um, maybe husband comes in second from then that point on? Well, are you talking about breastfeeding? Well, the feeling, you know, the connection between the mother and the child versus the mother and the husband, where there's so much, you know, love going back and forth and good feeling between the mother and the child versus uh, the husband, he becomes like uh, kind of second string. Well, okay, so if you're talking about oxytocin, that's released during breastfeeding, but that's also uh, released during an orgasm. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, she can have the same kind of connection with her husband after they've made love and she has an orgasm. So, and also um, if he's, you know, playing with her nipples or there's all types of ways for her to feel that connection with him. So it's about the two of them making a commitment to work on the sex together. And and I tell women this often. I say sometimes you may not be feeling desire. And obviously you you don't want to have sex just to have it. You want to have sex because you enjoy it. Right. But there are times when you have to create the desire within yourself first, and then it will come about, you know, while you're having sex. So oftentimes if you're waiting for desire to hit you, both men and women have this issue. You have to create the desire. You have to create the atmosphere for the passion to, to build or to happen. So uh, what, is a, uh, what should a couple do to create that uh, scenario? Well, when I work with couples, we do intimacy exercises. And so if they're trying to get the fire started back in the relationship, uh, what they do is a series of exercises where each one of them will take responsibility for getting the room ready, meaning that they'll light some candles, they'll put some music on, and then they'll explore each other's bodies. And it's kind of a step process where you're getting to know each other all over again. And then eventually, after a couple exercises, down the line, it leads to intercourse and so on and so forth. But it's making that time, the commitment, and knowing that it is important in the relationship. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned in the book about, you know, sometimes if a guy's there at childbirth and he sees the baby coming out of the mommy, it's like, oh, my goodness. And it kind of... uh, (laughs) puts everything on hold for a few months. I I was there and I caught my son when he came out and uh, I was like, wow, uh, I was completely off limits for about 90 days, but then I forgot about it. And, uh, right. and I'm glad I was, it was so worth it. I was so glad I was there the first person to put hands on him uh, in the world. And then I handed him over quickly to my wife and uh, then his whole mood changed obviously. But um do you find that as a uh, constant issue where uh, if guys see the child being born that they're kind of freaked out, uh, you know, visually? No, I don't. I don't see it as a, a constant issue. But what I would say is if your husband is saying, no, you know, I don't want to see it, then I think that you need to respect that as well. Why, why? Why would the husband not want to see it? I'm just curious. I'm not. I'm not. I don't, none um, of my questions are to put you on the defensive. I'm just, I'm no, no, here. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, from the men that I've spoken to that have had this reaction, they've said, you know what? I really just don't want to view my wife's, you know, vagina mm-hmm. um, in that way, and I just. I can't think about a baby coming out of it. It it bothers me. And so they've really expressed these feelings. And no, it's not it's not common. It's not the average man is going to say that, but there definitely are some men who feel that way. Okay. Uh let's go to kind of the next chapter in the book you talk about porn. So I'm interested in this because uh uh there's a lot of different takes on it and I guess what could happen. Let's just follow a couple. The, they've had a good sex life, and then the the wife, they have a baby, and then there's kind of everything's about the baby for a few months, and the guy, the husband's getting horny and starts watching porn. And how do we, how do we make sure that this doesn't go into like too much porn and not enough mommy? Well, so. The reality is both men and women have sexual patterns before they get into a relationship. And if it's the man's pattern that he was watching porn and masturbating before he got into the relationship, which, you know, nowadays most men do, they have a masturbation pattern. So whether it's every other day, every day, you know, it really depends. That's the first thing they're going to fall back on when sex is no longer regular uh, or routine in the marriage. Mm -hmm. And, the expectation that they're not going to fall back on that is really ridiculous because it's been part of their sexual pattern. 
And so if it's something that is not affecting their sex life, um, then there shouldn't be a problem with it. Everybody, you know, is allowed to have pleasure sexually by themselves and have their own time to do that as long as it's not hurting the relationship. Okay. Um, How about another issue you touch on in the book uh, is uh, loss of attraction. So I've seen some women who they have a baby and, you know, a couple months later, you know, they've got the size spread and they've got the skinny jeans on. It's like nothing ever happened. And I see other women and it's just like, blah, 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 blah. You know, they just, the whole thing, just everything is just (laughs) falling apart. And it's like, is, you know, I think it's critical at a certain point where they have to either take care of it or just accept the fact that like, this is how my body is now or whatever. And everybody's got to kind of like get with the program. And I think, you know, it's a crapshoot. And for a lot of guys, they, they don't know which way, you know, their wife's going to go. And some women are like, they're back, you know, at the gym right away. And other women just say, the hell with it. How do you, how do you deal with that? Because, you know, men are visual and uh, you don't want to put pressure on your wife to say, hey, uh, hey, can you still fit into those mom jeans? Or, you know, you, you, you have to be very careful in that area. Well, actually, I have two parts to this. Okay. So there are a handful of men that get pregnant along with their wives. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. so as the wife's tummy grows with the baby mm-hmm. inside, so does the man's tummy grow. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, I think the two of you coming up with a plan to exercise and eat healthy and, you know, kind of have a team approach is great. It's a great way to mm-hmm. get each other motivated. Yep. Um, Let's say that, you know, he didn't grow along with her and she is, you know, trying to get back into shape. I think the best thing is to motivate her. It's not so much, um, it's not so much that she may have put on some weight and she's losing it slowly. I think men have problems when they always see their wife in sweatpants um, on the couch and they're not trying to fix themselves up or look nice for a date night or going out of their way, you know, to be pretty. And Mm -hmm. I think that has uh, an effect on not only her but on him. And it's her responsibility at some point to get healthy and really to feel good about herself. That's the most important thing that he can stress is, hey, you know what? You need to feel good about you. And when she starts feeling good about herself, then she'll start taking care of herself again. Now, that's, that makes perfect sense. That is a very dangerous area. Like if, you know, you're a guy and your wife's, she's put on a, some pounds and she's like tired from work and the kid and she wants to put the sweats on and the T-shirt with the holes in it and lay on the couch and watch the Housewives of Santa Barbara or whatever the, the <laughs> Orange County. <laughs> and you're like, it's like Tuesday, it's my shows. Uh, and what do you do? It's like, you can't, what are you going to say? Well, you know, that's going to happen to both. Both of you are going to put on your sweatpants at some point. Let's be realistic, Okay. <laughs> I am very fair in my book, by the way. I really am very very fair to both men and women because I really see that there's just this very equal responsibility to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your your spouse is supposed to be like your cheerleader. They're supposed to be there to motivate you, to make you feel good, to lift you up, and be your partner. And so that's really how you have to look at it. If you're going to be critical of that person and put them down – that's just going to uh, make for a bad situation all around. So how do you motivate your partner? Well, you, you do by example. You know, hey, honey, you want to go out for a walk with me? Or, hey, let's go to the market and um, do this. And Or, you know, honey, I really think you looked sexy the other day when you took the time to put on a dress and put some makeup on. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> And then swap, and then after she hits you in the eye. <laughs> but you see where I'm getting at. <laughs> yep. Now another chapter you mentioned is like, could the could the husband be gay? Now, how, yeah, I'm sure it happens, and I'm sure it happens more frequently than than people, 
than people would expect. And I worked many years in the world of advertising. There's a lot of gay guys who had wives and, uh, you know, for a period of time, but also had kids and stuff. And, uh, it's, um, it happens in lots and lots of industries and it's, 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 it's more normal and not normal. How, how, how does a couple deal with the fact that like, or the wife, uh, What's your take on the whole thing? Like, could the guy be gay? And was that something that occurred before the marriage and they're just finding out? How does that usually work out? Well, you know, I, I do have quite a bit of information in this chapter, and I wrote a whole other article on um, on this particular topic, and I wanted to get an idea from people what they thought about telling their wife, should they tell their wife yes or no that I'm gay. It's And I actually have the comments in the book, and they're fascinating to read what some people put down. You know, some men are like, no, I mean, don't say anything. It's going to ruin everything. And, you know, some women are like, yes, please tell me because I, I think I'm going crazy and I – I don't know why you won't have sex with me. And so this is this is a reality on this topic. If a man knows that he's gay, um, I feel that it's his responsibility to tell his wife because I don't think it's fair to her that they're living in this relationship where she's having to, you know, basically pull her hair out wondering what's wrong with her. And, and also it's not fair to him either because he's not – you know, happy in the relationship either. And and so people do get into marriages where, you know, he may think, all right, I have these feelings, but maybe they'll go away when I get married. I really, you know, love this person a lot. And then they get into the marriage and realize, you know what, I just am not attracted to her. And then they're kind of stuck in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I interview a lot of uh, dating experts, and uh, uh, to the person, uh, the women, I when I ask them what's the biggest, what's the biggest issue you have with your female clients, and they all say that you know I have to kind of urge my female clients not to be so masculine when it comes to dating because they're in the business world or whatever that they have to be go go go, and then when they're dealing with dating, it can be overpowering because. Whereas women are on this path of uh, long overdue recognition that's just beginning, a lot of today's men are in a, a changing roles, if you will. A lot of things are coming at them. It's never. It's a time where it's never been a better time to be a man, but it's never been a time where it's less clear who they are. Um, so, how, how how do you how do you deal with it? Does that issue come up when you're dealing with marriages too? That you have like the alpha woman and the guy is like going through his own stuff yeah yes it does and and like you said it happens in dating and there's one thing that i'll say to the women and especially women that have gotten out of a marriage or and back into the dating you know at 40 50s and 60 years old and they're saying oh my god i can't hold on to a relationship and the most important thing is they're not allowing the man to feel like he's needed. Mm-hmm. So she's, yep. she basically has it all, and she doesn't really need him. And so people need to feel needed in a relationship, desired, wanted, that they can um, you know, contribute needed. to the relationship. Yeah, yeah needed. And I, I think that's the same thing in marriage, too. When you become so independent outside the marriage – you stop needing that person that you, you know, and need isn't a bad thing. Sometimes we look at it and we say, oh, you know, it's terrible to need someone. Well, no, it's not. That's part of being a human being is, is mm-hmm. needing each other. Now, and so I, I think that's what it is. Okay. How about, you know, I'm sure, you know, you deal with so many couples and all. I've got to think that you get into like stuff like role play and all of that and, you know, it's interesting in my own personal experience without getting into graphic details or anything, but I found you know, I dated some real alpha women and some of the alpha women, they were like, I thought like, oh, she's going to be, you know, very uh, aggressive and just the opposite. So she's, you know, a couple of women are like, you know, paddle my buns, big man. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
I was expecting the opposite, that they were so on all day that, and I know from what I've read at least, that you know, a lot of powerful men, you know, they want to be dominated and stuff. I mean, how do you deal with the, you know, how prevalent is role play in marriages and uh, how do you counsel people to make it work for them? Well, the first thing I say is sex is supposed to be fun. Yep. Okay. We forget that idea that, oh, gosh, it's got to be serious. How, you know, hell no. Sex is supposed to be fun. When you're with somebody, you want to do things that turn each other on. You want to give each other pleasure. You want to try new things. And I think that's where role play comes into it. You know, we all want to think, oh, my gosh, it's so serious. It's not serious. Most of the time when people get, they start out with, you know, trying to spank each other or um, use a flog or whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. they don't do it right half the time. and They end up cracking up or having a good time. And those are the couples that have a great sexual relationship because they're able to laugh and enjoy the experience. And that's really what role play is and why you talk about someone wanting to be submissive or dominant. Well, you know, maybe the woman who's working all day just wants to be entertained in bed or the man Mm -hmm. who's, you know, working all day wants to come home and be entertained in bed instead of having to think things up. Is that very prevalent? In what? In relationships? Yeah. Both the sure. male part of that and the female part of that. I mean, do you oh, do you yeah. find in your studies that uh, let's let me ask you this: What percentage of couples that you work with are involved in role play? This ballpark. What, what do you mean involved in role play? Where the role? I don't know how else to express it. Where there's uh, some type of dominant, submissive, you know, kind of light S and M stuff going on. Well, the couples that come in to see me usually are coming in because they have a problem. And so when I'm working with them, I'm telling them to do some role play. No, say they're not having it. <laughs> right? I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming in to see me. So, okay, get into that role play and things will be okay, right? Or at least try it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when um, you have a situation where do you you have a situation ever where instead of like my husband will have sex with me, whereas the the woman just doesn't give a shit anymore? Excuse my language. She's just like she doesn't care about sex anymore. Does that occur frequently? Yep, that happens. It certainly does. And And I've had some real serious, (laughs) had some real serious conversations with women about this too. You know, I, I'm I'm upfront when the couple comes in. I say, do you want to work on this marriage? I mean, are you invested in this marriage, and are you willing to work on it and take my suggestions? And so they both have to make a commitment to want to work on it. And if she simply is flat out refusing to have sex or refusing to have her hormones checked or refusing to want to be intimate with her husband – then he needs to make a decision about what he wants to do. Does he want to mm-hmm. stay in a sexless marriage? Yep. Um, how about, have you ever run into a situation where one of the members of a marriage is like having like a spiritual ascension or breakthrough and like the sex kind of becomes this physical thing that it's not as important because they're, uh, they're raising their frequency, if you will. So there so okay the only way I can equate this into what I've seen is I've had um some men that have come in that have experienced um some erectile dysfunction or maybe they've gone through uh prostate cancer or you know a woman could have had uh some you know a cancer herself or disease because I work with that too and they're wanting to experience uh, sex in a different way because they're not able to do the same thing that they used to do. So they wanted to make it more of a, a spiritual experience. Or there's usually something that, got, that has happened in their life that makes them want to change or add the spirituality to it. Okay. How about um, based on your uh, experience as a, you were doing some interior design, 
When you working with a new client and you go into their bedroom and look around, can you tell by how their bedroom's laid out if they're, you know, if they have a good sex life? Mm, well, I mean, that's a hard one to say. I mean, if the room has, you know, pictures of the kids scattered all over the place and they're mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, Fido and Fido's right. bed in there and the room's a mess and there's, you know, the TV's up and open right. and there's bills all over the place, you know they're probably not having sex in that room at least. Right. Unless they have, you know, a sex room downstairs. Now, that's another possibility. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the reality is if the room's completely cluttered and it's not a place where you're going to feel like you want to be romantic, then they're probably not having a lot of great sex in there. Okay. What's the uh, – and then I'll let you go. One more question. What's the number one thing that men can do and the number one thing that women can do in a marriage to uh, – to put themselves in the optimal position that the couple can succeed with having a fruitful sex life? I think that when people get married, sometimes they feel like the work's done. You know, they, they're married and now they don't have to work on creating the intimacy or work on keeping the sex going. And I would say that they're equally responsible for having a good sex life. And they're equally responsible for checking in with each other. Because when you get married, you've made this decision with your partner that you're going to be your partner's sex partner. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, for the rest of your life. Wow. Okay, so you just made this huge commitment. For the rest of your life, you're only going to have sex with one person? You both better be, you know, on board with pleasing each other. Mm-hmm. Cause, because I don't think that's fair. I think you've made this commitment, and you both need to, you know, be there for each other that way and work on it. All right. I, I do have one more question. I'm sorry, but I just thought of it, so I hope <laughs> you don't okay. mind. And that is, do you think that monogamy is is the right way to go. I mean, just from your observance and experience and uh, counseling people, do you think we people are meant to be in uh, monogamous relationships? Because you said, you know, you're going to have sex with one person the rest of your life. Do you think that's natural or is and it, it's the way it should be? Um, just your own personal opinion or is it like, no way, this is, everything's messed up. What, what do you think? I think that monogamy should not be taken for granted. I think that people should appreciate their monogamous relationship because when you take it for granted, that's when problems happen. And that's with any type of relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I do think monogamy can work if you have two people who are willing to work on it and they appreciate it. And I, I think we're in this, world now where we're about immediate gratification and if we're not getting it we switch on to something else or do something else and so we really need to take this idea of marriage and this commitment and and take it seriously great answer all right the name of the book is uh, our special guest has been dr dawn michael the name of her book is my husband won't have sex with me Dr. Dawn, please tell our listeners, you know, where they can find out more about you and your practice and how they can get in touch with you. I will have a website. It's called The Happy Spouse. So you can reach me there, and I've got a bunch of articles that I've written and also um, I've given my expert opinion on. And I have a YouTube channel with a bunch of videos. Um, It's under Sex Counseling. I have a Twitter, which is Sex Counseling, and I have a Facebook page, which is Intimacy for Passionate People. And you can uh, find me at all those places. Well, fantastic. Well, listen, I want to thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you, and I like the work you're doing. I enjoyed the book, and I think you have a lot of sagely good advice for people. And uh, keep doing the, the good work that you're doing because, you know what, there's not enough love in the world and anything you can do to help people have fruitful, happy marriages and a great sex life is a wonderful thing. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Robert, and you have a very good evening. All right. You too. 
Okay, everybody, that's our special guest, Dr. Dawn Michael. Her book is My Husband Won't Have Sex With Me, and uh, she gave you all her social media information, so check her out and her services. And uh, that's going to wrap up our show for this evening. As I mentioned earlier in the show, um, you know, one of the issues we all have is learning when to let go. So if something's not working, take a real good look at it and decide, is this what's right for me? Give it your best shot. If it's your marriage, I wouldn't just let it go. I would ask, why am I in this? What, you know, why, why are we doing this? What, what is it that I can contribute and how can we make it work? Uh, but for other areas of your life that are very important, I think you also have to examine them and say, have, have I been in a dating relationship too long? Have I been in a job too long? Have I kept my vehicle or my home too long? And don't be so quick to just cling to what we have and, and grasp it and squeeze the life out of it because, uh, you know, this is a fast-paced world and there's a lot of opportunities out there. And I'm not saying just be dismissive and delete or swipe left or swipe right, but uh, – Respect yourself and, you you know, you go around once and, you know, make yourself happy and do what's right and give it the best shot. So anyhow, that's my little bit of advice for this evening. So as I like to say, um, you know, when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. That's what the Guys Guys brand and our movement is all about. So uh, have a great week. We'll see you next Wednesday. And remember that, Guys Guys, finish first.